Welcome to the Taking the Charge podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hein. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for your time. I say it every time, and it's meant every time. There is unbelievable amounts of podcasts out there, and uh, you choose to come here and uh, listen to uh, what uh, what I'm putting out there, and, um, and it's uh, unbelievably appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, some fun stuff this week. A uh, guy that we had on a, a long time ago, actually in the uh, first, the first, uh, the first uh, version of taking the charge, and um, uh, and I've actually been on his podcast a couple times. Uh, Fran Fischel, uh, he uh, he does the World of Basketball, uh, which is a really fun show. Uh, some fantastic interviews with some uh, really fantastic uh, guests as well uh, in the World of Basketball, uh, fitting. Uh, um, title for his show um of course this is uh the taking the charge podcast it's on the taking the charge Substack, um and uh yeah we we start the show every week uh with uh, the big three and the uh, story that we're watching uh we had the deadline for internationals to stay in the draft or not uh the college players uh had to uh, decide a couple that uh um i guess it was a week ago or a week and a half ago uh, but the internationals um had to uh decide uh i haven't actually had a chance to find the list uh i haven't actively gone and, and looked at all that much but it's obviously you know that's always the big moment to figure out who's uh, decided to stay in uh who's decided to uh to um to pull out of course uh 2000 born players are automatically eligible so they so they're also they wouldn't even been on the list anyhow um but anybody uh before that uh born after that sorry uh would be um um would be uh they would have to take their withdraw their name in order to and, and you know it has to be said you know there is there is a there's a reason some people want to put their name in there and not get drafted you know it's it's uh it's something that uh, you, you, you know, because then if you're drafted, uh, then you're only, you only have a chance to go to one team. Whereas if you're not drafted, uh, you're basically a free agent. Um, you've cleared the draft, I guess, if you will. And, uh, and you can, uh, really go to any team that actually you can decide, uh, you can come to an agreement for, for a contract. So, uh, there, there's a, there's a, uh, a method to the madness, I guess, you know, you would. You know, some people would say, "Oh, I, I, I want to be drafted." Some people would say, I, "I don't want to, I don't want to not be drafted." Um, and um, but on the other hand, it's um, it's actually not entirely a bad thing not to be drafted uh, because you had then sort of more, much more, you have much more of a of a say in in where you end up going. Uh, so, a uh, young uh, player that we're watching uh, the FIBA U sixteen Asia Championship. Uh, started uh, over the um, uh, started on, on on Monday, I guess. Is that right? Uh, uh, yeah. No, started on uh, started on Sunday. Started on Sunday, and um, and uh, you know, obviously, we're looking for four spots for the FIBA U seventeen Basketball World Cup in in Malaga uh, in uh, in a couple of weeks. In uh, July second is the first day of that. And, um, yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to, to watch much stuff, but one team that I have watched is, uh, you know, a team that really you have to say is one of the, you know, the, the title contenders or medal contenders at the under 17, 
uh, World Cup, and that is Australia. That's sort of the superpower of Asia, uh, Asian basketball, since Oceania is included in there. You know, it's been, you know, a good five five years, if not longer. And, um, yeah, you know, I was told before the tournament, uh, uh, I, we had Kane Purnell on, uh, and uh, he was talking about Rocco Sikarski, uh, 2006-born uh, seven-footer, and uh, so uh, wanted to see him, uh, wanted to get the Rocco Sikarski experience as uh, I, I can't even remember who it was somebody one of, one of the scout friends or whatever said are you ready for the Rocco Sikarski experience and uh, so I put together a little uh, video t- of highlights and stuff like that and uh, the, it, the link is in the uh, uh, is in the show notes is in the uh, Substack uh, and uh, had some fun doing the video uh, as you can tell it's a YouTube video and and uh, so go to the uh, sh- go to the notes go to the Substack. Uh, uh, taking the charge you can find it there uh event we're watching you know there's the under 16 uh fiba u16 asia championship that's going on uh that uh, is on su- goes until sunday and we'll actually know on sunday sunday evening uh, sunday late uh, late afternoon early evening we will actually know the four uh, teams from asia uh, that are at the under 17 world cup so the field will be set and we know then all the groups you know who's playing where um also, though, there's the under-15 under Central Basket uh, that starts on Saturday. Uh, so that's uh, under-15, meaning that's the pre-qualifiers for the uh, – well, those, those are the qualifiers for the under-16 America's Championship uh, to uh, 2023, which would then be the, the qualifiers for the under-17 World Cup 2024 follow all that so uh central baskets puerto rico dominican republic mexico etc um so that's actually going on i believe it's in puerto rico starts on saturday uh, and that's really just a kind of a short event uh, only like four or five days um so but that starts on saturday on, on saturday of course uh at the under 17 uh under 17 central basket uh, which was then qualifiers for the under 18 americas which just took place uh if you if you're able to stay stick to me stick with me on all this Congratulations! You actually think like me, uh, which uh, not everybody does. And um, but so at the at the under seventeen central basket, uh, we saw London Johnson, uh, who was obviously uh, you know sort of one of the real revelation rele- uh, uh, revelations from the uh, from that tournament uh, playing for Jamaica. Um, and so um, you never know, you never know who's going to be there. So um, so that's it. Uh, let's move to our sneak peek of the. Taking the Charge Prospects Podcast, which is part of the paid subscription to the Substack, um, you, you get the the um, you get the podcast, uh, the Taking the Charge Prospects Podcast, as well as the full archives of the Talking Talent, where the uh, scouts that we've put together uh, talk about um, talents from around the world. And uh, this past week, we passed the two hundred uh, player. Um, uh, Mark. So we've the scouts have been on the show and talked about more than two hundred players from around the world, uh, two thousand born to two thousand six. I don't think we've had an 07 player yet. Uh, I would be lying if I know that for certain that that's been the case or not. I know we've done a, a number of two thousand two thousand sixes. Uh, so that's also part of the uh, the paid subscriptions, the full archives of that show. Um, so this week on the show, we had Esli Edigen, uh, 2005-born uh, German, 
uh, and he um, and he's in the in the bond system, and uh, was uh, at the uh, Basketball Without Borders uh, Europe camp, and was actually named Defensive MVP uh, for the um, for for the tournament uh, for the camp, and uh, so talk about uh, him. Uh, talk to him, and, and so here's a sneak peek of that, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. It's not easy to hear something and then to automatically implement it, you know, like the next day or, you know, even, you know, that day or the next day or whatever, maybe what are some of the things that you heard, you know, tips, advice, whatever, that you were in fact able to, you know, just straight away go ahead and, and, and put into your approach or, you know, the way you kind of see or, or, or act on the court, whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, I talked to Terrence and I also asked him about bad games, you know, so like how his mentality is, is on bad games. And he just told me that it's not always going to be that, that you're always going to score. So he told me that you have to also impact the game in different areas, maybe on the defense, getting rebounds and stuff. So like I just took that from him. So when I, when I started missing, I didn't make shots. I still stayed aggressive. But I also saw, looked out for my teammates because if I'm not hidden, I should still be aggressive, you know, drive into the basket, get into the paint. And if I'm open, like make the layup or if my teammates outside, just pass it to him, like influencing the games to passes because if I start passing it out, the help side has to shrink. They have to go back to their mans because else the game is going to like open for my teammates. They're going to get open shots and going to score. So... Like, that's how I took it. Like, I pass it out. And if the person still, like, if the help set isn't there anymore, that's when I can drive and attack. And that's how I just saw it. Like, doing different stuff, also on defense, making hustle plays, like jumping to on the ball, like trying to steal it, setting traps. So these are the things that he told me. Because um, also, he, t- he also told me that um, the scouts don't really look at how much you score, but how you impact the game, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know how to control the offense, like slow it down, make it quick, and, like, set traps. So that's what he told me. That's what I try to do, like, in a camp. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was, you know, you you look at your physical uh, stature, you know, you're definitely, you know, long athletic guy, you know, strong build, and you can really be a hassle for people on defense, uh, as long as you have a defensive mind frame. And, um, you know, you were awarded with a defensive MVP uh, for the camp. What were your, what were your thoughts about, uh, about winning that award, which, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's an individual award, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that you, you know, received for defense, which is, uh, you know, it's, it, that's, you know, it's tough to play defense sometimes. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was like kind of shocked. Because I thought other players did better, played better defense. I didn't really look at them, but I just like went, like, I guess I thought that other people play better defense than me. Kind of not the way to look at it, but that's what I thought. And like, I just played defense. I didn't really think about the trophy or winning, winning it. My, my goal was just to stop my player from scoring. So that's how I went to it. Sometimes I just watch like when, like his habits, when he picks up the ball when he wants to shoot or where his pocket is when he shoots. That's just things that I use against him. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, as as um, those who are paid subscribers, uh, 
uh, he's actually from Regensburg. He was born and raised in, in Regensburg, which is actually where I've lived since 2005. So actually, the his entire uh, his entire life, which is pretty pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, you know the 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 defensive uh, skills are pretty good. Uh, offensively, he's still got a ways to go. But you know, lock him in a gym, shoot. You know, you know, uh, 750 throw, uh, uh, three pointers um, every day, twice a day. Um, you know, you know, just keep working, 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 and uh, you know, on offense, because uh, defense is there, and uh, seems that he also has defensive mentality, which is not always easy. Um, and uh, so, but he definitely is is there. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, good. Uh, thank you again. If you, if you want to listen to the full interview, please become a paid subscriber. Um, again, that's taking the charge paid subscription. Uh, if you think it's too much, uh, drop me a message. We could talk about it, but I think there's, a, I think there's a good amount of value in, in, in all of the podcasts. Um, and also the, uh, the taking the charge prospect podcast, as well as the full archives of the, of talking talent show. All right, let's move to the, to the full interview of, uh, of our, of our main guy this week. Uh, really guy that I love talking to, uh, as I mentioned, I've been on his show world of basketball a couple of times, um, which gives me a chance just to talk hoops with him. Um, and that's a uh, friend Fischilla coach, uh, who's gotta be, it's gotta be pretty amazing times right now. Um, uh, you know, been, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, just in the movie hustle, you know, if you haven't seen it, go to Netflix, check it out. It's really, really good, really good movie. Uh, there's a little bit of sap in there. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, um, you know, storyline to, you know, to, 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 to bring the whole family together to watch it. Uh, but you know, it, it tells the story of, of scouting, uh, pretty well. Um, you know, it's not a very, not a very sexy life looking, uh, you know, traveling the world and, and trying to find, uh, trying to find talents and stuff like that. And so it does a pretty good job. Uh, Frank Chilla, of course, you know, knows college basketball. So we'll talk a little bit of college basketball, talk a little bit about it. Uh, the NBA draft, uh, talk a little bit about Hoop Summit, um, and uh, and also talk about his also his new position. So he has the he's a new movie star. Uh, I know he doesn't want to probably hear that, but he um, but he's also the the uh, the director and the head coach of uh, USA Basketball's three on three men's team. Uh, so they are really going to be pushing three x three, and uh, f- getting a team for the world tour. Um, and uh, and try to qualify for the Olympics in two, in 2024 in Paris. Uh, tall task, but uh, you know it's uh, you know he, he would love to be uh, walking into the uh, to the Olympics. I mean, as as anybody who's involved in sports would love to do. Uh, so here's my interview with Fran Priscilla, and enjoy that. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you again. All right. So on the taking the charge podcast this week is a guy that was actually on the uh the the, the first version of taking the charge way back and i don't even remember what it was i was supposed to look it up <laughs> i forgot to do it uh fran Vachilla. uh let's see world of basketball podcast host espn commentator uh hollywood actor yes. usa <laughs> usa basketball three on three uh director um uh fran coach thanks for coming on how are you doing it is a pleasure, David. Yeah, I'm wearing a lot of hats. You know, it's kind of cool because uh, every day of my life, probably like you, is just devoted in some way, shape, or form to basketball. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know that. 
yeah, people pay us to watch, talk, discuss, think about basketball. There's harder jobs to in this in this world. Um, let's let's first start off with the big old the big old fun uh, uh, topic that I'm sure your your messages and tweets and and everything else is probably very yeah. congratulatory. Um, I watched the the movie last night. Actually, I'd known about it when the first trailers came out and couldn't wait to watch it. Um, I'm a pretty big, uh, Sam, uh, Adam Sandler fan, obviously basketball junkie. Um, and, uh, f- uh, the, it was clear that hustle, uh, the new film uh, available on Netflix, probably on other places as well. I'm not sure about that, but, yeah. um, uh, that it was going to be right in my wheelhouse. The, the missus, uh, enjoyed it. Um, there's a little bit of uh, love story tear jerkers and stuff like that, which you know, gotta kind of have to 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 let the let the the male watch it with the wife or whatnot exactly. and, and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, congratulations, fantastic stuff. Uh, first of all, um, uh, you you played a guy named Fran Fischilla. Uh, how hard was it to <laughs> uh, get into the role of that? You know, the coolest thing about it was, and, and there's a little backstory here. About three years ago, David, I was doing a, I was at, I was in Waco, Texas, getting ready to call a basketball, a Baylor basketball game. And I get a phone call uh, from a friend of Adam Sandler's. He happened to be the executive producer of the movie. And he said, Hey, you've been recommended as someone that we could pick your brain about international basketball. Adam Sandler is doing a movie and the script is basically He's a washed out NBA scout who discovers the next big thing, you know, in Europe. And that's his ticket back to redemption. And so it was fun to give him my ideas. And I have to tell you, when they asked me about potential prospects to play Bo Cruz, the protagonist in the movie, the first name that came to mind was Luka Doncic. Ah, And, And I said, call Bill Duffy, Luka's agent. And Bill check with Luca and politely uh, Luca said no. And you and I both know he probably wants to lay, lie on the beaches of Croatia in July and August when they were filming. So uh, that was out um, later on, obviously they, they hit the home run with, with Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was absolutely, if you haven't seen the movie, these people, your, your, your listeners, it's an amazing depiction. Uh, you know, it looks like an actor who plays basketball, but instead mm-hmm. it's a terrific basketball player who did a great job of acting. And so I gave them my two cents on the movie. I forgot about it. And, and I, I saw that they were filming in Mallorca. They were filming in Philly. They were filming in LA. And I said, damn, you know, I'm not going to have any part in this movie. Last August, uh, the executive producer, the guy that first contacted me, one of Adam's good friends said, are you ready for your role? <laughs> and I said, yes. And they said, well, we're going to fly you to Philly in September. And here's the cool, here's the coolest thing. And I'll shut up. Um, one of Adam's good friends from New Hampshire, who's he has lifelong friends that help him with these movies. He's just such a kind soul. They had a script for me and his good friend, um, Bobby Verdan, who's a college coach in New Hampshire, said, Fran does not need a script. Let him just go <laughs> That's <off."> exactly. <laughs> and that's how I did it. You know, I, I did it. It was cool. Uh, hey, we've been watching Kermit Wilt since AAU days when he was 14. <laughs> we knew he was going to be an NBA player. But this kid, Bo Cruz, I thought I knew every international kid on the planet. I've never heard of this guy. So I did it in one take. And uh, but enough about me. The coolest thing about the movie 
is number one, Adam's passion for basketball, which comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all the reality of the movie, the playing, the workouts, the, the different cameos from famous basketball people. I mean, Sergio Scariolo. And- I was, I, my, it was, uh, it was probably kind of, uh, no, nah, it was, <laughs> I was watching with my wife and, uh, you know, I would, I would laugh, you know, because when you see Hernan Gomez, uh, his brothers yeah. in the movie too, <laughs> exactly. and, and you laugh at that and you, and you, and you laugh at this, this guy's there, you know, that Boban has a, has a, has a, has a 22 and he's got a 10 year old kid and stuff like that. Yes. You know? Every yeah. all the because you as a basketball fan you know all these little stories um right. and you kind of just started but uh, to, you started to go on let me just let me just kind of reel in and let you go um yeah biggest thing you liked about the final product you were kind of going on it but like you know because uh, you've seen it now and and twice you, twice you, you've seen it and and so you, the biggest thing you think that uh, that they were successful at. Well, first of all, you watch it a second time because there's so many famous people in the movie mm. that when you watch it a second time, you'll realize, oh, wow. You know, getting, getting back to the, the, the Spanish national team, most people don't know, like you and I, that Wancho and Willie are brothers and that, you know, like, so there's a part in that movie where- They even got going, Felipe in there, Reyes. Well, Felipe Reyes. And, and Calderon. And- yeah, so, uh, and then the NBA guys. And, and so- I just think that there's a joy for the, you know, me and I I know you well enough to know, like, I'm not a sourpuss when it comes to basketball. You know, we've just been through two years of crazy pandemic stuff and I, I have a joy for the game. There's a joy for the game of basketball that comes through this movie with a great ending. And, um, and again, there's a lot of reality to it. There's a lot of people that basketball fans will recognize. And, uh, I think I think they nailed it. You know, it's getting great reviews here in the States. Uh, to your point, a lot of people already like Adam Sandler and think a lot of his acting. I thought he was sensational. Wancho was phenomenal. And Anthony yeah. Edwards, who's a rising mm-hmm. star in right. the NBA, was also great. And by the way, they were teammates uh, in Minnesota for a while and they're very close friends. So I think the reality and all the all the all the famous people in the movie that you and I know. I think really made it a, a, I think it's going to be a hit all summer long here in the States and hopefully, you know, hopefully around the world. Um, I just go watch it. I, um, and I, I, there's so many other things I want to talk about and I, I, I feel guilty kind of just, you know, cutting us off here because we could really talk about the movie for really hours, but but watch watch it, watch it and just enjoy it. And, and, uh, and, uh, and if you and if you don't recognize some people um, at the end, there's the credits as himself. Yes. Google them. You know, you know, if you don't know this person or this person, even uh, what's what's the what's the uh, what's the the super fan? What's his name? The oh, guy yeah, with the cowboy Jimmy, hats. Jimmy, I think it's Jimmy Goldstein. Who Goldstein, I think that yeah. I think it's Jimmy Goldstein. By the way, he was at the game last night. He was yeah. in. He was. So, in I mean, just the fact that he comes in there is yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it's uh, insane how many famous people were in there that just play themselves and and it's not a big deal like it's just part yeah, of the movie yeah exactly um the the idea and it actually gives us it does offer us a segue the idea is to get him drafted um yes. we are we are about uh 10 15 you know, 10 to you know about two weeks from the draft yep. um 
I, I just want to get your kind of your your thoughts. You know, there's 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 been a, bit, a debate going on pretty much all year about number one, number two, right. number three. You know, and even number four, people are saying you know maybe Ivy can sneak in there, whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily want you to say who's going to be picked number one or or, but just maybe your your thoughts about the top of this class and and yes. and and. and how much impact do you think, you know, we've, we've seen the last couple of years, the impact that these guys are, you know, these guys at the top of the class and even further down, whatever, but what kind of impact do you expect? Um, these guys, these are, uh, you know, these guys have had, had fantastic seasons. Um, what kind of impact do you think that they'll have uh, next year for those who are looking forward to the NBA uh, season next year? Well, I think the first thing is uh, when you get drafted high, it's usually to a bad team. And your impact is minimal in terms of winning games, no matter who these kids are, how good they are, how good they will be. Um, the simple fact is if you take a kid like uh, uh, Jalen Suggs last year, who played one year for Gonzaga, he's a kid that a lot of people in the States knew about. He gets hurt. He plays half the season in Orlando. He had no impact on winning, uh, none. And yet a kid like Isaiah Mobley, who went to a team that already had Jarrett Allen, Kevin Love, a rising star in Darius Garland. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers made a big jump in part because Isaiah Mobley was very good, but also because he went to a team that was ready to at least improve. And so if you're an NBA fan, um, either in the States or in Europe, and you're excited about any of these guys that are, you know, in, in your wheelhouse for your team, the reality is um, if they're going to a bad team like Houston, like OKC, um, like Orlando, probably not going to help you win all that much. Having said that, um, I love all three kids at the top of the draft. And I actually think Jaden Ivey, who people consider maybe the fourth best player or, or the guy that's going to go forth. He's a kid like Russell Westbrook 12, 13 years ago, that it could end up being the best player in this draft at four. And it would not shock me if somebody like Sam Presti, who you and I both know has rolled the dice uh, often throughout his tenure, it wouldn't surprise me if Jaden Ivey goes number two to OKC as a redux of Russell Westbrook whenever they took him 12, 13 years ago. I think the three guys at the top, and that would be Bancaro from Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and Jabari Smith from Auburn, each is so different in terms of their style of play that the biggest decision made in this draft by Orlando is going to be not necessarily who's going to be the best player because that's important, but who best fits a young core that they have because they're all different. Uh, Jabari Smith looks like an NBA all-star at 6'10", can shoot the three. Chet Holmgren is that unicorn-type player that we see come down the road time to time. David, uh, long, athletic, two-way player, shot blocker, runner, uh, you know, shoots 80% in, at the rim this year. And then Bancaro is the one guy of those three who is a go-to scorer in the Carmelo Anthony mode. And so they're all different. And I do not know who the best player in this draft is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Quite honestly, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to, we're just going to touch big topics here because I, I, oh. I kind of just, uh, I, I know you talk a lot and, 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 and uh, give uh, fantastic stuff and, uh, and there's so many things that I kind of just want to hear your input and, 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 and if I, if I want to, you know, go and, and, and ask a follow-up, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there. Yeah. This was the first season where uh, NIL name image likeness, you know, really 
kind of, uh, you know, had an impact. You know, we also see it in college football and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And we're, we're, we're seeing kids, um, we're seeing kids then, you know, say, okay, well, you know, I helped your team do this and I want, you know, I want more money. Um, <laughs> you know, this is this, or I'll go to another school. And now with where the transfer, where I, I believe they don't have to sit out, right? That's right. Yeah. The so, first time you transfer, it's a one time. First time you transfer, you don't have to sit out, which That's right. you, know, you start thinking wild west now, you know, it's, and, and, and now with the yes. money involved with, with NIL, uh, you're, in general, your thoughts about it. I don't. I don't know how much you've kind of, you know, uh, you've, oh, you've thought well, about I've been thinking it. about it. I've been thinking about it because I've lived this give us, life. Give us, for, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've lived this college basketball life for forty years. So, and I, there's I, been this debate for ages and ages. Pay the players. Pay the players. Pay the players. Pay the players. You know, college basketball is huge money. College football is huge money. Those yeah. are really the only two. Maybe a little bit of college baseball, maybe with the, yeah. but only those teams that go to the college world series. So yeah, your, your thoughts on NIL. Well, it's, it's so ironic that, uh, you know, we used to say about international kids, well, they're not coming over because they turn pro, you know, they're pros and, uh, they used to have a hard time getting a, a young man who's 17 or 18, who was playing for Real Madrid's junior team to come to the United States and go to college because the NCAA would, they deemed him a pro already, you know? And, and so it's so ironic that now that the script has been uh, flipped, we have more kids internationally coming over to college than I can ever remember. Kids like Jeremy Sohan and others who are going to still end up being high picks. Uh, Christian Coloco, for example, from Arizona. Um, but now it's flipped because now basically these top players at the top, I would say 50 to 75 universities in Division One, are essentially pros. Um, many of them and most of them, uh, whether they make 25,000 next season or in Oscar Shibway's case at Kentucky, he is going to make over a million dollars a year playing at Kentucky, you know, with mm -hmm. what we call name, image, and likeness. Right. I forgot using, to mention that. Yeah, yeah. Using his, um, name, image, and likeness and his ability, uh, for advertising, for, for exactly. social media, whatever yeah. to promote a company, whatnot. So that's here. That's here. It's staying. It's not going anywhere. Um, I think that there's a certain amount of fairness to it because the coaches and universities have long been a big business and made a lot of money. I do think what's happening here for your listeners, uh, you know, around the world is it's it, it. You said Wild West and I immediately perked up because there's no there's no right now. The, there's no guardrails. There's no, no there's regulatory no board or anything. What's that? No regulatory board or anything. Looking at it all? No, the NCAA is like, this is, this is a genie out of the bottle and nobody knows how to regulate it. So until they regulate all sorts of things like the transfer portal. And uh, cause we still think that kids who transfer a second time are going to get a waiver to be eligible right away. <laughs> Even so, so I, I, I think the theory of, of, of NIL name, image and likeness, is certainly a positive one. The problem is there is no regula regulation right now. There are no guardrails. And so we do have a wild west. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, um, coaches are unscrupulous, many of them. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, the morality of the cheating that we used to talk about in college athletics is still going on, but it's taking, taking a different form under the guise of, oh yeah, everything is now legal. But it's really not because there's no regulation. There's no, you know, there's no, there are no guide rails to how much these kids can make and how often they can transfer. And 
what we have, you know, it, it's kind of similar to the, to the international, uh, you know, uh, uh, professional basketball in Europe, because it's really basically one year contracts now. Yeah, exactly. And do, you, do, do you, do you think this keeps some kids in college yes. knowing, knowing that I don't need to provide for uh, money for my mom, whatever. I mean, I don't mean to sound, you know, cliche, yeah. but you know, that is, that is a topic for a lot of people. You know, I need, I don't need to provide for my family. Now I need to go to the pros. I need to get my money. Do you think yes. this kids, this keeps some of those, those guys who might not, who might not be, you know, immediately picked. Without a doubt. So, so a does doubt. that does that does that mean that it actually maybe will improve the level of college basketball? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We, college basketball this year in was as good as it ever has been because first of all, the NCAA granted a waiver, a fifth year. Mm-hmm. Everybody instead of playing for four COVID, years, it was a COVID. Everybody got a chance to play a fifth year, and uh, but also to your point, combined with name, image, and likeness, you take kids here in the states that I think would have been late first, early second round picks like a Shibwe, like a, the big kid at Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, for example, um, who's a very good college player out of Washington, D.C., and a number of others stayed in college because their opportunity to make money. And by the way, almost all those kids were big kids because the way the NBA game is now, the, other than a, 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 an Embiid or a Jokic, obviously international guys, by the way, most of them, the American big man, is almost a dinosaur in the NBA uh, because of their style of play, slow lumbering guys. And so Hunter Dickinson at six, seven foot one, two fifty, probably would have been a mid to late second round, you know, throwaway pick. Instead, he's going to stay at Michigan next year and probably at at minimum make high six figures in, in name, image, and likeness. So it's definitely keeping some kids in school. It also for the young man who's toying with coming out maybe uh, early or staying another year and getting experience and maybe helping his draft stock. I think that's going to, that's going to make college basketball better too. So there's unintended consequences, both good and bad to these transfer and NIL rules for sure. Okay. Um, Actually uh, kind of connected to the draft and I don't mean to go back, but I did want to touch on something that we, um, that uh, you actually had, uh, uh, you know, you're actually dealing with quite a bit, and that's the, the Hoop Summit. Uh, it's a couple of months ago, but it's not ages ago. It was uh, in, in early April, and, you know, obviously Portland, you know, it's a huge event, and it's a fantastic. Uh, it's, it's always uh, wonderful to see, um, you know, the top kids from USA and the top international kids, most of those international kids in the States. We did have City so- uh, Sosoko come over from, from, from Basconia, the French, yeah. the French kid. Um, but, uh, I guess maybe kind of your thoughts in general. Um, and, and then from there, uh, your thoughts about really the, the one guy in the, da- in the draft, that's, uh, you know, Jean Matero, uh, who yeah. obviously spent the season, uh, at overtime, which is, uh, I guess a whole nother ball of wax that we could talk yeah. about, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. so go ahead a little bit about, uh, about hoop summit. Well, I would say this. Um, I don't know if you remember or, or ever met Richie Shoebrooks, uh, the Nike rep. Did you know Richie at all, David? I did not. No. You know, Richie was Nike's rep in Europe. Uh, and what made and Hoop Summit still great. Don't get me wrong. What made Hoop Summit so great back before Richie retired from Nike, and he was also a scout for the Charlotte Hornets, the Memphis Grizzlies, among others, was that Richie had so many. And he lived, by the way, he lived in Barcelona half the year. What made Richie so valuable to Nike and the Hoop Summit was 
the amount of kids that came over to play from the continent. Uh, I, I wish that there was. Yes. The, yes. That, that it wasn't know. that it was it wasn't, you know, it, it, of course, it's easier. Also, COVID, you know, yeah. um, and everything else, travel restrictions, you know, that was April, you know, and uh, no, but it's connections. It's Richie's connections, David, yeah. I, because because you and I remember when Sharich and Jokic and uh, oh, gosh, if I had to list now, there's a hundred guys that came. And endless, and was, endless, really. I mean, endless. even, you know, Novitsky, Schroeder, uh, you know, Absolutely. so many, so many guys, uh, so many guys have come over and played in that game. It's, yeah. It's, and, it's, and that was really Richie's doing. Honestly, he doesn't get any uh, the credit for it from the average you know fan, but we all knew that. And so what's happened now is, yeah, it's still really good, but you're getting kids on the, on the international team that are in many cases uh, uh, they're already in high school here or their families emigrated here from, you know, you know, uh, Nigerian kids, for example, we have a ton of tremendous Nigerian families who have immigrated to the United States, their kids grow up going to high school here, and then they play on the international team, you know, and so that's quite, that's kind of what I miss a little bit, like even the kid Buzelis, who I was excited to pl- see play, you know, uh, from Lithuania, hell, he grew up in Chicago. Yeah. You know, and and he still can go back and play on the. Uh, I know the the coach of the Lithuanian national team was here to watch him, and then he didn't play. Yeah, there's, they're trying to they're trying to make sure he plays for them. <laughs> yeah, and I would if I were the and, kid. And I right would've. now, right because we just you know you uh, uh, FIBA Americas you know under eighteen. Yeah. Um, if if he had been on that team, he he would be quote stuck, you know, or he would be set then with uh, otherwise then USA would have to release him to play for Lithuania. You know, once you're at sixteen. Uh, yep. You play for someone, you have to then, that's your team. You know, that's your country no that you play for. Like uh, Manion, Nico, you know, if he had yes. played for, if he had made that under under 17 World <laughs> Cup, you know, back in uh, whenever that was. Yes, uh, I remember distinctly. Uh, I think yeah. Cole Anthony, he came out the same year as Cole Anthony. No, if, not if he had made the under 16 team, because then I remember. No, I remember that. Under, were, under 16, under 16 America's team. And then, yes. and then, and then uh, because Nico played under 16 uh, in Europe, uh, they got, he, he got picked up, I think a few days afterwards. Yeah, he was he was not. I know the family well. They were not happy when he got cut. And my point about Cole Anthony was there was a group of kids under 16 that were in that same range. And Nico felt he was as good or better. And so, yes. And that happens. And as you know, once you you know, you can go from the U.S. How do I put this? FIBA's a little more flexible if you go from the U.S. where you played as a junior to a smaller country. But they'll never let uh, they'll never let Carl Anthony Towns, who's played for Dominican Republic, play for the U.S. Yeah, that's no Dominican because you'd have to have permission from the the country who releases them, if you will, that, or the general secretary or the general secretary would have to approve it. Yeah. So, so anyway, getting back to my point. Um, yeah, it was a really good uh, hoop summit, as it usually is. But again, I miss the days of Sharich and, you know, Jokic and those guys and uh but as far as the talent, uh, talent was as good as it ever is. USA obviously always puts together a formidable team. They actually trailed at the half. But um, I like some of the kids on the uh, international team. I know you mentioned, uh, you know, Montero, who's kind of small. Yeah. Uh, and I know he's listed at 6'3", but to me he's like 6'1". Yeah. And, and he's going to be that small Tyus Jones type of guard. I think he'll be able to score, but I think he'll, it's going to be, it's going to be whether or not you can hide him on defense. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think if, if, if I were if I were a Montero who does you have the ability to score, um, he kind of reminds me maybe of a young Lou Williams who had a brilliant NBA career as an off the bench, you know, scoring machine, little undersized, little defensively challenged, but he's definitely a talented kid. He played well against the USA. I mean, he's, he's Oh three. He's so he he'll only turn 19 this year. I don't know if he's already turned 19. So uh, I want to get your opinion about one other guy. And then we'll move on from that is, and and that is uh, uh, London Johnson. Uh, who we actually had on, on the podcast, uh, a wonderful, uh, unbelievably yes. humble and polite young man, uh, Jamaica. Yeah. And he absolutely was unbelievable um, at yeah. the, uh, what was that? Whatever. I can't know. Is that Central Basket? Um, yeah, Caribbean, uh, pretty, pretty much the Caribbean. The, yeah. Well, it was, a cent- it was Central Basket, I think, yeah. to, to yeah. and, and, um, uh, so your your thoughts about him? Uh, you know, I mean, he, this was I think he scored something like thirty five uh, record for for the for the uh, yeah. for the Central Basket, um, and Norcross uh, Norcross, uh, but he's been all over the place. Uh, if you don't yeah. know his his uh, his uh, his story, um, go back look at the podcast and and uh, uh, your your thoughts about uh, London Johnson. Well, his story is going to become pretty well known in about a year because I think he's going to be a really good college guard. Uh, First of all, I echo what you said. Wonderful young man, a great kid, knows how to play. He's, he's an athletic point guard who has a savvy for the game. Pick and roll, sees the court, he can score. Um, the last I heard in April, Virginia was a strong leader for him. Tony Bennett, good program. Um, but I think this kid's got a great future. Um, I just love his demeanor. I love the way he plays the game with a maturity. You said humble. I'd say uh, also, uh, yeah, just plays the right way. And it plays the right way. When you say that, oftentimes you think of a guy who's not that athletic, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> you know, because you're looking for good things to say. But he's got the whole package. I don't know when he turns 18, but very, very impressed with London Johnson. By the way, Norcross, traditionally a Georgia powerhouse, great coach, Jesse McMillan. So between his experience playing for Jamaica, uh, and all the international experience he's getting. He's also playing in a very good high school program. And I think he's going to be a college star and uh, we'll see how it goes from there as far as NBA future, but he obviously has one. Um, one more youth. And then I, I want to go to the other big, uh, big story uh, in, in it for you. And and that was, you know, we just saw USA total domination uh, at yeah. uh, FIBA under 18 America's qualifying, qualifying for under 19 world cup. Under 19 World Cup is always a little bit of an issue for USA because you have the the guys that are going into the draft that won't be available. You have the right. guys, some of the guys that go to college that don't want to play for USA. You know, for USA and, and you know, USA basketball, it's always tough uh, to put together the team for Under 19 World Cup. But you know, under FIBA, uh, the USA team for FIBA Americas was just you know just totally dominant. Yeah. Um, Mexico just kind of gave them a little bit of problem for a little bit, and then they just said, "Okay, well, wait, we are USA." And um, I, I know you didn't. I know you didn't watch uh, much of it, and it's also because of what we're going to talk about next. But yeah, um, there there are three guys that that really were the I think the three leaders of that team, and there are also three guys that you also saw yes. um, at the Hoop Summit, and that's Cam Whitmore, uh, Kalel Ware, um, and Anthony Black. All three of them phenomenal players. I was I was really in, super impressed with all three of them. 
yeah. maybe just your, your thoughts about, about maybe, uh, you know, and you could, you know, highlight more one, one guy or the other, but sure. you know, just, just sure. because those three really stood out, obviously, uh, you know, Whitmore, you know, winning MVP where also being on the alternate team, but black, uh, black was second, I think second in, uh, rebounds per 40 minutes. Well, let me tell you, first of all, you, you, you gave us the sad sack story about who can play for USA and who can't, we got 330 million people here. We're going <laughs> to always, I, I, I love, I love USA basketball be now a part of it as we'll get into, but I also have a lot of friends around the world. And so nobody's feeling sorry for USA because a couple guys, you know, are at, are on Duke's campus and they don't want to play, you know, because yeah, yeah. yep. Shire, the new coach wants them there, but no, um, what I think needs to be said again and again, and I probably have done this a couple of times is we do now have a true national junior team program at, at the U S at USA. And you and I both know that 15 years ago, we, we had kids in the United States that would rather go to a summer camp and play at ABCD camp than play for USA. And that has totally changed because of Jerry Colangelo and coach K and what they did with the senior national team, you really can't get into the senior national team pipeline anymore with rare exception, unless you play on the junior team. And in order to play on the junior team, you, you got to be a good young man as well as a talented player because of the character issue. So, so kudos to USA basketball and uh, in that regard, but uh, the three kids, uh, Cam Whitmore is an interesting story because he was one of the last guys selected to the Nike hoop summit team uh, a year ago at this time, and I know this because my son, Matt, is on the Villanova staff. And by the way, he's now heading up to Harvard, where he'll be an assistant coach up there. But yeah, um, but Matt uh, and the staff last spring identified Cam Whitmore as a kid who, even though he was borderline top 100, if you can believe that, um, in the United States, blew up. And he blew up because he's a tough, athletic Warrior is the best way to put it. We saw some of that, uh, David, at the Nike Hoop Summit where he dominated. We saw a and, lot of it at under 18. So if you want to go watch him, go watch him under 18. That's what you saw. You saw a hungry, tough, hard-nosed, strong, athletic, you know, Jimmy Butler, but bigger kind of kid, a rim, you know, attacking the rim. And so kudos to him because you know, most of the kids that play USA basketball are the kids that are identified at 15, 16 as the top 15 or 20 players, the Scotty Barneses, the Jalen Suggses, the Jet Holmgrens, and Cam came out of nowhere last year, so good for him. Interesting thing about Khalil Ware, because I only first saw him at the Nike Hoop Summit, and we all love Derek Lively and his potential, and my first reaction, and I could be wrong when I saw him in practice, I said, if you didn't know who was who, I would think that Khalil Ware was the more highly ranked guy. I, I don't even, I didn't even know lively at all. I don't, I don't follow high school basketball. I didn't know. Yeah. And I watched it. I watched Ware, and so I watched the opposite. I watched under 18 Americas. And then I just watched Super Sound. Finally, yeah. actually yes. this morning. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> he was the same dude. He's, he's, and it's the total dude, you know, he's, yes. he's a stud man. And, 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 and it's automatic around the rim runs block yep. shots, you know, yeah. and, Fantastic. And I he's, think he's Little Rock, Little Rock, Rock, Arkansas, you know, it's yeah, like, Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, he had another teammate. Uh, who yeah. was the other team? Oh, Nick Smith. Smith. Smith yeah. I think, you so. know, two high school kids from Little Rock. And by the way, I think my first reaction when I saw Khalil Ware go and he's going to go to Oregon, if your listeners didn't know, is he's a one and done kid. You know, he's going to be one and done because he's so yes. big, athletic. Um, and then Anthony Black, I really love. You mentioned his rebounding. But what I love about him, by the way, 
another weight add to the team. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Anthony was the last guy picked. Somebody had to bow out. They put Anthony on the team. And uh, what I love about him is just multi, multi-dimensional. You mentioned the rebounding. He's a facilitator at 6'7". Um, you know, he'll, he plays well with other teammates, obviously. And uh, I think he's going to be a really good college player. He really, you know, can score, pass, rebound, do a lot of things. So uh, those three kids were, uh, you know, were really impressive at the Hoop Summit. And I know from watching some of the highlights and a little bit of the clips that they all showed well in the, you know, Fever Americas as well. You, you mentioned uh, you have to be part of, uh, you have to be uh, kind of go through the pipeline uh, or it's very, you know, you know, one of the, the you kind of now have to go to the pipeline to get to the senior national team. And yeah. just a little nugget, uh, Jason Tatum is the uh, first player to win under 17, under 19 and Olympic gold. And of course, you know, if they manage to pull it off, yeah, gets gets the NBA title as well. All right, let's move to the other one. Yeah, um, g- give me your job title. I think director and head coach of yeah. USA basketball three on three men's national team. Is that correct? I think so. That sounds right. I didn't check honestly, <laughs> but I I know I know I got some juice a little bit anyway. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've always wanted to be part of USA basketball. Obviously, I I have a love of international basketball. I have a lot of friends around the world, and I have a great deal of respect um, for my international coaching friends, the talent level, the way it's improved, the NBA. I mean, what else can you say? Holy smokes, you know, the three best players in the league right now, you know, maybe four born out and not, you know, LeBron's been hurt. So when LeBron's healthy, he's in that top five, but uh, certainly I've loved the way the game has evolved around the world and USA basketball because three X three and kudos to FIBA because they have turned this into a, big deal in Asia and in Europe, particularly um, three X three is probably the equivalent of beach volleyball, you know? Um, And the way the game is played, David, with a 12 second shot clock in the half court, I would say if the 1500 meters is equivalent to five on five, then the 300 meter hurdles is three X three. You have to be fast, agile, and, 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 and uh, well-conditioned. And that's three X three. So we are behind at, in the USA because we're tr- we're still trying to explain to people what what this sport is. But my friends in Serbia, Latvia, Lithuania are playing this at a high level. There's a FIBA three X three tour that has begun. We're going to so, head so on. Let, let, yeah. Let's jump in there because so oh. um, the the three X three the three X three World Tour. It's been going on for years and years, and it's already going on this season as as well. Yes. Um, Correct me if so. There's already teams from USA, so Princeton and, and New York, Harlem. Right, but when you say, let me just say, when you say years and years, we're talking no more than a decade. Maybe the last five, seven years, it's really taken off. Right, exactly, exactly. And 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 there's two, you know, the two USA, the two teams from USA, Princeton and and, and New York, Harlem. Right. Um, Harlem reached the the quarterfinals of the World Tour World Tour Finals last year. So, um, give us a little bit of an update, sort of, because uh, it's it's it, it, it hasn't been totally clear. Um, so right now you're sort of uh, in the process of putting together a team that will then also be part of the World Tour. It, yes. it, it will be a, it will be sort of um, sponsored, affiliated by right. USA, but it won't have USA on the jersey. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, you you got it. And what's happening in next next week? The World Cup. And next week is the World Cup. So there's so there's actually so, so the World Cup that's happening in Belgium, twenty one to twenty six. That's right. That's national team. 
Um, and this is then, if you will, club basketball. That is correct. If you want to so call it club, I would say a pro. Let's say, say let's say FIBA three X three is a pro circuit. There you go. There you go. So and and so next week and and the and here's here's what's happened in the states. We've had some pioneers like the guys on Princeton, the guys on Harlem, who have really kind of carried the sport initially. Now some of those guys are getting long in the tooth. They're still pretty good, but some of them are getting long in the tooth. Robbie Hummel played in the NBA, played at Purdue, played in you know played in Europe. Um, he is probably, this is probably it for him. So FIBA, not FIBA, but USA basketball has entrusted me with growing the sport, um, to where we can get more and more players in the pipeline. We're sending a good team to Belgium with two guys who've never played three yet. Well, I take that back. One player, Khalil Iverson, who played at Wisconsin and in Finland last year, had a very good year in Finland. This is the first time he's ever played 3x3, but he's kind of taken to the game. I am I have a six-man team that's going to travel the circuit this summer. Uh, four, we can only take four players. Uh, five of the six play in the G League, and they're good players, um, but they've, they're new to the sport. So guys like, you know, the maestro, Mastorovic and Bullet and – you know, all these terrific players who play 3x3, we have to catch up, not to their athleticism, certainly, because we'll have that, but to their guile, their IQ, their feel for 3x3, the, the two-man game aspect. It's really like learning, teaching um, smart youngsters how to figure out a Rubik's Cube. It'll take a while. It'll take mm -hmm. a while. So we're going on tour. We're going to uh, Portier. Early July, we'll be in Kosovo. We'll be in Prague, I believe. We'll see how we go from there. But I'm, I'm, I'm. So this, funny. so this I'm is growing. not the world tour then. No, this is this is well, yeah, it will because the because yeah. the world the world tour. Well, there's there's challengers and then there's masters tournaments. So right, we're going to be going to some challenger events to try to qualify for the bigger world tour events. Right. Okay. And, and that's where we are. And this is a throwaway summer for us in some way because. Um, the qualifying for 24 and Olympics doesn't begin till next July one, but we're indoctrinating a number of really talented young guys into the three X three FIBA pipeline. And I'm also recruiting my butt off to get guys to say, um, Hey, you're playing G league. You're playing over in Europe in the winter um, play with us in the summer. And there's a possibility that if we qualify, that we might be walking into the Olympic stadium in Paris in 24. That's kind of the hook for some of these guys. Well, and, let, let's, you know, that's you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to burst the bubble, but yeah. uh, I mean, that that's a big goal for, to go from, not from nothing because that's not fair to say, but yeah. to go, you know, to, to, to say, I want to, you know, build it up. Yeah. How, how, I don't want to say realistic, but, but, you know, what do you think, what do you think really needs to be done to, jump you guys to the level where you can get into the uh, uh to make it to paris well olympics you know, 2024 exactly keep in mind that the team that was supposed to qualify last summer that was the reigning world cup champions the princeton team they lost two players to injury okay. prior to qualifying so my sense is our physical athletic ability and talent will be good enough um, just based on the guys that we have, we have a, you know, Hassani Gravette played in the NBA last year for Orlando. He had 12 against Miami on uh, the day after Christmas. So we don't have chopped liver uh, to make to coin an American phrase, uh, but 
What we don't have is we certainly don't have the experience of all these teams that train year round and play, you know, just like a lot of typical USA team, right? Um, mm-hmm. We have talent, but we don't have the guile and the experience and throwing these guys on tour and then potentially creating a summer USA tour next summer here in the States to get 24 guys or more in the three X three pipeline. Well, I, I, I think, I think the key, and this was also is kind of what's happened in, in Europe, which has allowed it to take off be, uh, is guys can play three X three all year, you know, yes, and yes. they can make a living out of it. And yes. that, that's the whole thing. If you have the perspective that you can make a living out of it, then you'll, then you'll put, then you'll play, then you'll prepare, then right. you'll, you know, all your work, your determination, you know, if you don't think you have a perspective to have a job in any, in any field, you know, and, and, right. and, and, and that, the, that, that there is this, these tours, that's, that's the absolute must in order to get there. I, I want to ask you one more, one more question, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to keep us too much, uh, too much longer, but I do yeah. want to ask a question. There was a guy, uh, Fabian Giesman, uh, who was at the uh, BWB basketball with our borders Europe camp uh, from Germany. Um, and um, he has not played five on five basketball for two years. He's played three on three best three X three for the yes. last two years. And he was, he was at uh, BWB and I was talking to him. I was talking to his coach and his coach said um, that he actually feels that Giesman uh, is actually a lot better, especially defensively. Yes. Because so for, if you're not if you're not familiar with 3x3, it's the same size court. You only play half court. You don't you know, you don't have the transition from one side of the court to the other. So because it's the same size court and there's only three guys and there's a lot more defending and you're one on one, you're defending all the time. So you actually become a better defender. Um, your your thoughts on that? David, you have hit it on the head. The reason I'm so excited about selling this to kids in America and the guys that play G League or play overseas and want something to do in the summer is because this is at, this is a sport that absolutely turns you into a better five on five player. Um, the 12 second shot clock, the quick decision making. Um, if you look at the best teams in Europe that play three X three, they're all between six, four and six, seven for the most part. Um, they're all, all multi-skilled on offense. They both have to defend and sp- they all have to defend in space. And I saw at a 12 day training camp that we had, we had guys get better that I honestly believe when they go back and play in the G league or go back overseas, they're going to be better players because this is like an overload. I-, I was a big coach when I was coaching. I was big on overload. I made my practices tougher than the games and three X three makes a five on five player better by playing this. And so that's why I'm optimistic. Now, trust me, I said this, I want to make this point. We are way behind in terms of learning the three X three game. But um, what excites me about the guys that we have who are already good G league players is they're talented enough to play on the three X three circuit. They will be, they're going to have to learn how to play three X three, but this makes you a better basketball player. And I'm, I'm advising everybody here in the States that I can talk to who coach these youth teams and have these gyms where they train guys, train them in three X three, because you will find that these kids are quick, quicker decision makers. It gets back to the whole shot clock theory. You know, you, you and I discussed this off air. I'm trying to get, forget the shot clock here in the States. I want a 24 second clock 
because it makes you a better basketball player. We've seen that, you know, in Europe and around the world in FIBA. And so the 12 second shot clock is a great skill development tool for anybody, no matter where you grow up and ask the kids in Mongolia who are playing three X three, like crazy. Well, listen, Mongolia, it's, it's like perfect for small countries because you only need three players or right. we only need four players and you only yeah. need, you know, you, you can have, you can have like, you know, double the games because you have one court, you know, and yep. you could do double the games and it's that, it's that much less uh, expensive, you know, cause you, you don't have as many, you know, don't have as, as much personnel and everything else. Um, uh, this was the, uh, the, the abbreviated, we could have gone, we could have gone probably 15 minutes on, on all of these topics. I kind of feel yes. guilty that we went through, went through so much so fast, but I, I just, you know, I know you're, I know you're, you're totally in, in three X three mind frame and, and, and want to, and need to get, keep going on that. Um, so, but, uh, but uh, coach, Hey, thank you so much for, for all the time. Totally appreciate it. Also, thanks for having me on your show. I know you've, um, I've been on your show a couple of times and that's really, really soon. super appreciate. <laughs> You're going to be on soon. soon, which is kind of cool. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to ask you on my show about Jeremy Sohan, um, because 10 or 15 years ago, you and I both know Jeremy Sohan would not have come to the States. He would have probably played in, uh, in, in, uh, let's say the German league, and we'd be wondering whether he's going to, you know, whether he would be a good fit in the NBA. Um, and we would have seen him at the Euro camp in Treviso. That's the crazy thing. Times have changed. So anyway, uh, great kid. Coach, I got coach thanks uh, so much. Uh, as always, unbelievably fun talking to you. Congratulations on the job. Congratulations on the movie. Uh, some wonderful stuff. Congratulations on the son moving to Hartford. I'm sure that's, you know, fantastic for, for him as well. Uh, a lot of joy uh, uh, for the 2020-22 uh, season for you, year for you, uh, and keep it up. Thanks, David. Your listeners, when I see you in Germany, come over and tell me you're a David Hine fan. So uh, uh, look forward to traveling the, the summer on that 3x3 circuit. Thanks, David. All right. All right. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks.